Thank you for pressing play on episode 120 of A-Sides. I'm Andy, and for this episode, I spoke with the incredibly talented guitarist, Nikki Stringfield. She performs her own solo material, also performs with her husband, Patrick Kennison, doing both acoustic shows and in their band, Heaven Below. And she even performs in an Iron Maiden tribute band called The Iron Maidens. They tour the entire world. So between all of her busy projects, she took the time out of her day to talk to me for this episode. So we kind of got into her background, her musical interests, and a whole lot of stuff, enough that we could fit into an hour. Also, be on the lookout for her new full-length album dropping later in this year called Apocrypha. She's putting the finishing touches on it right now. And also, hopefully you enjoyed this episode of A-Sides with Nikki Stringfield. Look, it's rock and roll! And... Cue music! Thanks for fitting me into your busy schedule. Um, I even saw that you're just kind of wrapping up recording your new album, Apocrypha. How'd that go? Gosh, it's been a work in progress for, I I guess now, well, yeah, since the pandemic, because I started writing the songs like right around when, you know, COVID started and had a lot of time at home to just sit and write. After that, we just got so busy that it's just taken this long coordinating between mine and Patrick's schedules because he's produced the whole thing. Um, We had Shad Wilhelm, who plays drums in Heaven Below, our other band. He played drums on it. It's 11 songs. Patrick played bass on it. On my previous album, my first EP, Harmonies for the Haunted, I felt like I had to do everything. I had to prove that I could do everything besides drums. I won't even pretend like I can be drums or program drums or anything. So I played bass. I wrote everything. I sang everything. Um, This time I was like, you know what? Let Patrick play bass so I can focus more on on guitars and everything. So Patrick played bass. He produced my vocals. It's got one cover song. The rest of it is pretty much just hard rock. There's more... There's a couple of radio friendly songs. There's more. There's a couple of really rockin', very guitar oriented songs. Um, they're in the mixing process right now. So we've the first four are being mixed right now. Uh, the first we got one of them back and it's sounding killer. Our friend Chase Jens is mixing and mastering it. I I'm so anxious for it to be done. I've it's just you know you when you hear it in the beginning and it evolves and changes over time. It's It's been a really cool process. So I'm just dying for it to be done. I'm hoping to have it out, you know, I, I would love for it to be out before October, but it's such a difficult process of, you know, once that's done, you know, we have the album art kind of I going. Um, Tristan, who did my uh, last album art, he's doing this one as well. So it's just a 
after that, it's just the scheduling of everything, like having it out at a certain time. I want to do a album release party. I've never performed my original music live besides acoustic. So I would love to do an album release party here somewhere in LA around the time of release. So just trying to make that coincide with everybody's schedules will be a challenge in itself. But yes, I'm super excited to get this out. Yeah, a lot of moving parts with everything. It's crazy. It's so it's that's the most difficult thing is not not the actual process of recording, but just the coordinating everything, getting the merch done, getting, you know, everything out on digital, you know, for digital release, getting pre-sales going, you know, that's to me is the hardest part. And then wanting to do a live show at the same time and giving people enough um, of a chance to get tickets and, and get their schedules out here. How'd you come up with a title, Apocrypha? I'm kind of a nerd. I'm pretty sure that's apparent. I love I love history. I love science. I love anything. Um, I love scary stuff. I love aliens. I'm big space and astronomy nerd. Okay. So all of that combined, I think, because it's been a while, I think I was watching Ancient Aliens, and I believe they were talking. I'm pretty sure it was that, because I watch that all the time. And I believe they were talking about Apocrypha, which is... In Greek, it literally means like forbidden writings or hidden text, but it's actually the books that were taken out of the Bible. Oh, dang. Um, yeah. So if you go look into it, there's a bunch of things that were not allowed in the Bible, and that's called the Apocrypha. But quite literally translated from Greek, it means forbidden writings or hidden text. So I was like, that sounds cool. And I was like, you know, my last album was Harmonies for the Haunted, which is a long thing to yeah. write out and say so I was like just one word apocrypha that sounds cool and I've also always been obsessed with Egypt like that's my number one bucket list place to go is to go see the pyramids so I was like what if we do that and kind of make it like an apocalyptic looking Egyptian cover oh, so that's badass the new heaven below album Patrick's actually gonna go work on drums for that tonight so we've been trying to finish mine up and then we're moving straight on to the new heaven below. We're we're kind of trying to think of some cool ways to bridge, to kind of connect the albums a little bit with the album art and stuff. So there's, I think that's going to be really cool as well. I think I can up you on the nerd thing there. When I saw the title Apocrypha, it made me think of X-Files because there was some episode title Apocrypha. Okay, I'm going to have to go check that one out. Yeah, I used to be a big fan of that, too. Yeah. So like you were saying the Egypt stuff, are you going to kind of tie that into like Power Slave or like an Iron Maiden thing? Like maybe Patrick as like a mummy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when we we did the album shoot uh, last year, my gosh, see, time oh, wow. flies. I had hoped to have this album out last year. And uh, so we've already done the album shoot early last year. So I tried to... Find so I, I did one outfit, traditional rocker looking. The other one I tried to kind of make it look like Egyptian ish, like a black mummy looking tattered dress and some head stuff. <laughs> we even we even tried this black wig, and I was like, I don't, I don't. My hair used to be black. I used to have jet black hair in my goth days, but I was like, huh? it was super short. Doesn't even look like me. I was like, I, I think we'll leave that out. You know, Power Slave is probably my favorite Maiden album. You know, there's some songs that I've heard that like that. That sounds like that sounds very Maiden-y on my new album, but I didn't try to do that. You know, I guess that's just yeah. going to happen. They were such a big influence, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, that is my favorite 
Power Slave is probably my favorite Maiden song. Oh, wow. Nothing, cool. Nothing cool. sounds too Egyptian-y on the album. It's got some creepy, creepier sounding things, but nothing really Egyptian. He hears a squirrel. There's, I have crazy squirrels that live at my place <laughs> that my animals, so it's probably about to get crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, um, you play in Heaven Below, you mentioned that, and then Iron Maidens, but... I guess when I was going through a little bit about your background, you're also like an artist too, right? Because I'd seen you posted something on Instagram, like a skull and flowers. Yeah, drawing was my first love. Um, I've been drawing ever since I can remember. I have a very artistic family, like my Nana, my uncle, my aunts, they all paint and draw. My dad plays guitar. So I just always had this love for, for drawing and Really in high school, I would finish, I was also a nerd, you know, in the honors classes. So I finish up my work really fast. And then I would just sit and draw all the time. I had these oh, awesome. pencils. My uncle's or my aunt's husband's mother gave me these incredible Prismacolor pencils. And that's really when I started getting into it and really just having a crazier love for it. But I, I love drawing realistic things. And now I really love drawing skulls. <laughs> but I love drawing skulls. And so I just tried to, I, I just guitar took over. So I kind of just lost it for a while because I just focused all of my spare time on music. But I, I love putting on classical music and sitting and drawing. So I've tried to fit that into my schedule lately, just so I don't completely lose it. You know, it's just therapeutic to me. It's a totally different thing to just calm down and listen to some piano and just, it's relaxing. Well, that's cool. I like to draw and paint in my free time and stuff too. Do you, um, do you just stick to drawing and the colored pencils or do you like mix it up with paint too? No, I've tried painting. I really would love to paint. And, uh, you know, I would sit with my Nana and, and we would paint and I just, I'm not... I'm not that good at it because I guess with the drawing, you know, once you kind of do it, like with the Prismacolor pencils, they're waxy. So you can kind of uh, blend them a little bit. But when it's done, it's done. Like when you yeah. make your mark on there, it's there. But with painting, I would get it just the way I'd want. And then, you know, here comes another color and it just goes all in and ruins what I had. I'm like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah. I wasn't uh, not as good at the painting, but I never gave it. I never gave it a big shot, but that's the one thing I wish I could do is, uh, you know, try to get back into painting. Yeah. Maybe. Play. I used to watch a lot of Bob Ross and he makes it look easy because he's just going like this, doing all this stuff. And then it's like masterpiece. Mm -hmm. I love uh, Bob Ross, that happy yeah. little, happy little tree, the happy little accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I grew up with Bob Ross. I love him. So did you grow up like listening to music a lot too, or did that come later? Yeah, my dad was in a band, so he would be playing guitar a lot. And both of my parents listened to rock yeah. for the most part. And I'm from kind of middle of nowhere, Texas, about 45 minutes south of Dallas. So my parents just listened to a lot of music. And I was just talking with Patrick about this the other day, because he asked me like, what was the first guitar solo you remember hearing? I was like... I don't, hmm. I don't think I can remember that. I mean, and then I just got me thinking like back in the day, uh, cause I didn't start singing really. I always loved singing, but I was too kind of scared to do it until a couple of years ago. Um, but I just remember like the radio and my mom's car wouldn't work and we would just sit and sing songs together. That oh, was always cool, my favorite cool. thing. 
so yeah, I was kind of, I grew up surrounded by music as well. And I just always loved singing along with the radio and, and karaoke. My family's big on, on karaoke stuff, mm -hmm. hanging and doing karaoke all the time. Always been immersed in, in art and music. What would be your first like CD then? First CD was actually, I think it was, was I in kindergarten maybe? And CDs were new. It was that now, now, oh, yeah. hits. <laughs> now hits. It was the first one. And uh, probably shortly after that, Backstreet Boys. Backstreet's back, all right. That was my first concert as well, was Backstreet Boys. You know, I, of course, was into all the, the pop and the Britney Spears because I was born in 90. So, but I was into the rock at the same time. And that's, I guess, yeah. I really started getting into wanting to play guitar and really surrounding myself by rock more when I was probably about 13 or 14 when I started playing guitar. Oh, cool. Yeah. So that was like the TRL era then with Backstreet Boys and like uh -huh. new metal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I used to love, I mean, I still, I love it all. I'll, I'll put on Backstreet Boys. I'll drive Patrick crazy with that. <laughs> I love Christina Aguilera. Um, we used to listen to Shania Twain a lot. Yeah. I kind of, I love it all. I'm not into a lot of the newer pop music, but I love mm. Lady Gaga. There's some stuff that I enjoy. Squirrel going crazy if you hear that. <laughs> yeah, I did. My sister, she's the same age as you. So it seemed like you just reminded me of this. Like my mom would drive us to school in the morning. So it, would, it almost seemed like I would want rock music on the radio. My sister would basically want the Britney Spears or the Backstreet Boys. And my mom had something else. So we were always kind of arguing about what to um, listen to on the radio going to school. But so I was exposed to all the same stuff that I guess you grew up with. <laughs> Like I remember um, Alice in Chains, Rooster was one of my favorite songs when I was little. I loved singing because I, I just thought it was literally about a rooster. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, here come the rooster. Love singing along to that one. And um, my family always remembers me singing along with Tom Petty. You're a really loving Tom Petty. And Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill album, I remember. Be sitting playing Sega, singing along to that, having no idea what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> you grow up and then listen to the lyrics. I'm like, oh, I had no idea what I was saying when I was, when I was like five or six. Yeah. I remember... Alice in Chains a lot. My dad would play, uh, they would play, my mom, ACDC was played a lot. Guns N' Roses, Pantera, Motley Crue, you know, all that. And uh, remember my dad had the Unplugged in New York album. And back in the day, I called that, I guess, boy music. Like, why are you playing that boy music? Like, <laughs> in which it ended up, you know, Nirvana ended up being one of my favorite bands of all time. So just, you know, just because I wanted my music to be played. Irony. Yeah. It's kind of funny, too. Like, my dad would play, I guess, Billy Joel. Mm -hmm. If I was riding with him, and I hated that, too. But now, as an adult, I love it. So it's weird how it kind of goes around. Exactly. You yeah. end up appreciating it, like, as you get older, for yeah. sure. You had mentioned Lady Gaga. And I actually wrote down, I was going to ask you about that. But I'll just jump to it. Um, for your 
live in the living room, um, you and Patrick did all these acoustic covers. And I like that you covered Shallow. It was a good version that you guys had on there. Yeah, I I guess that that movie is really what made me kind of fall in love with her because I just never really, I never really listened to her stuff before. And I just fell in love with her after that movie. And then I started diving into some more of her music. And I never thought Patrick would want to do that song too. I was like, you actually want to do the song? It's like, okay. You know, and singing along with her, I think really helped my voice grow a lot because her stuff is more challenging, I think, than stuff that I used to sing along with. So she, uh, and plus she's a metalhead too. And she's, she's weird too. So (laughs) what's there not to like about her? Yeah, I think, I think the same as you, that movie kind of, the movie and the soundtrack really kind of made me take a closer look at Lady Gaga. Yeah, me too. And it's so funny because we, we've been playing the Hard Rock Cafe in Hollywood a lot, which is mo- much more of just a generic crowd and they're just eating dinner. Yeah. You know, it's a tourist. So you don't want to go in there just doing a bunch of, you know, hard rock, like, you know, heavy stuff like we do Iron Maiden and Avenger Sevenfold and stuff, acoustic. But, you know, when you play that song, uh, you can just kind of tell everybody gets kind of quiet. Everybody... I think uh, most people know that song now. Everybody gets quiet and they are like, oh, okay. In the shadow, in the shadow, shadow, in the shadow, we're far from the shallow now. That song usually gets people's attention, regardless of, of kind of where we play. So we usually, that one's pretty much a staple in our set, because it's kind of just a one that everybody likes, I guess. I like how the album's kind of like a little bit of your career and a little bit of Patrick's and then kind of yeah. like a mix of your influences. Yeah, it's, it's luckily we like a lot of this. Well, we pretty much do. We like all the same stuff. Yeah. And uh, I think we just tried to find stuff that, was unexpected for the most part, I think, and challenging. Not just your typical, let me just play a three song or a three chord song. You know, let's let's make it a little interesting and do stuff that will surprise people. We already mentioned Power Slave. Another one that stuck out to me was the Aces High cover, Iron Maiden from Power Slave. started many many years ago Patrick and I had been talking about doing acoustic songs or acoustic sets together you know when we're both off the road but we were always so busy we never had the time to get that together and honestly I had never really played acoustic much and then the pandemic happened and then we find ourselves at home with nothing but spare time you know we can't leave the house so I was like well I guess maybe if the world ever opens back up, I think the first thing that'll come back is maybe small acoustic things. You know, maybe we should start trying to prepare for that. And I was like, you know, let's let's do some crazy stuff. I was like, Aces High would be something cool. And it's like, let's just do stuff that people wouldn't expect. And let's just do a video for it. We just have free time. 
And so that kind of started it all with that was the song that started it all. And people really liked it because it, it was unexpected. And it, you know, even if you don't like Maiden, you can hear that and be like, that's a that's a cool it's a cool rendition of it. Mm-hmm. That's a cool song. So and then my little dog Rolo jumped up in the end of the video. And because I'm like, nobody watches videos till the end. And everybody, apparently people did because Rolo jumps up in the last chorus and people lost their minds. They're like, the dog, the dog made the video. (laughs) (laughs) Look at the dog. So I was like, oh, I guess people did watch it till the end because people loved my little, my little Rolo in it. So (laughs) do you have any favorite Iron Maiden songs that you love to play? Well, it usually changes depending on the set. Sometimes, uh, Mm. If we're playing the same set over and over and over, then I'll get a little burnt out on the songs. But usually we we change out sets um, sometimes every night, depending on if we've played the venue or not, because we like mm-hmm. to change it up and play different songs every time. Uh, Power Slave is one of my favorites. We've been playing Still Life a lot, which is a deep cut. So that one's that one's been one of my favorites lately. I, I always love Ace High. Probably my least favorite would be Run to the Hills, which I know is a travesty and everybody <laughs> loves Run to the Hills, but that one's probably my least favorite. Uh, I love Revelations. Oh, I love Phantom of the Opera. That, that one's a really fun one to play too. Oh, cool. I know like off topic or like side note, but are you a fan of Ghost? I am. Yes. I, I love- saw that they covered that for their upcoming little thing that's coming out next month. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people hate on them. I like them because they, they're just different. I like them. A friend of mine kind of described them as like, I guess, like Blue Oyster Cult kind of. Yeah. It's kind of like that, we, but modern. Yeah. Because when I first like heard or saw them, I'm like, I never would have imagined what they sound, that they sound the way they do. Yeah. Looking at them, you know, and then you actually hear them. I think the first album I really got was the one with uh, Rats. And the song, uh, The Dance Macabre or something like that. I I love that album. Yeah, they got really poppy then, but I think it works. I mean, yeah. they might have alienated people, but um, oh well, I, it's a good album. Yeah, exactly. And there were a few songs I had heard of them prior to that too uh, that I have somewhere on my phone. I can't remember, but I always I'll have to I'll have to look it up. I forget yeah. the other songs that I really liked of theirs, but I'm a fan. Oh, no. cool, cool. So you said that Backstreet Boys was your first concert, right? But what was your first like rock show? My oh, the first rock show. Well, my mom would take me out to like the uh, radio festivals, like the the Kiss FM was like the big station in Dallas at the time. Okay. So I remember they would have um, there was a a band. I think they were based around Dallas called Bowling for Soup. If oh, I've heard, heard of them. Yeah. They would always play the the radio festivals and they were just so fun. So that that was probably when I was maybe 13 or 12 or so. And I would love to go see them. Actually, I think I had the I didn't know I had the flu, but I knew I felt horrible and I lied. So my mm. mom would take me to see them. <laughs> and then later on, I was like, I feel horrible. She's like, you really went to the show when you feel that bad? I was like, oh, I wanted to see them. So that might have been like the first rock band. I think some of the festivals had like uh, Michelle Branch and The Calling and and Lifehouse and stuff. But I think probably and then I would do uh, 
the edge fest which had a bunch of just a bunch of bands but i think probably the one that stood out to me the most was evanescence is a huge a huge one for me oh, like nice. she immediately really got me into like singing and and everything and um i called the radio station asking when they were giving out tickets and mm-hmm. well, i don't know how it happened but that's they i actually won tickets doing that like i guess they were <laughs> i was calling to ask when and i was like huh and i was like I was so young and so i had no idea but that was the first time that i got to be in the pit and so i was just enamored i was like oh my gosh like we're so close to the performers and i want to be up there doing that i think that was maybe the first moment where i was like i want to be up there doing that oh awesome you know? that's probably the first rock concert where i was like oh my gosh this is incredible that like really was like that like era then right with the um, early 2000s yeah so. yeah like uh i remember it was like good charlotte uh some 41s does this look infected album i remember that kind of was like heavy for me at the yeah. time so what was it saliva and and all that kind of stuff had was just coming out three days grace all those bands were new so yeah, yeah. That that infused TV playing all the music videos. I would just sit in front of the TV and watch music videos for forever. Um, that was a good era because that's kind of when I was. Well, I'm a little older, but I was going to uh, community college then around that time, and I think that kind of broadened my like horizons on music because I got exposed to more stuff with friends. Started working for the local radio station too. I even saw that you had gotten an internship with like Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, I always thought it would be so cool to work at a at a radio station. But I was like, I just wanted to be a musician. And I figured to move out to LA, that internship was going to be the thing that would help me make the move because I went from my little hometown to where nobody was ever playing and you'd have to drive up to Dallas. And I had nobody to jam with there. So I went to college at UT in Austin thinking it's the live music capital of the world. So I've got to find people there to jam with. And nope, really nobody to jam with in Austin. So I figured this internship, it was like a small program. I don't even know how I got in it because I think my letter seemed passionate enough, I guess. <laughs> and everybody, because I, I was majoring in radio, TV and film and minoring in, in business. And so I... I applied for it. I think it was maybe only 20 people got to move out to LA for the last semester and uh, finish up college and live right by the studios. So, oh, wow. yeah. So it was, I couldn't believe it, you know, because um, I never really traveled much. And so we all moved out to LA, I think the 20 of us, and we all stayed in the same like apartments. And I was so lucky to get an internship at Warner Brothers doing the digital distribution for music. So that was that was really cool. And I always thought Warner Brothers was cool because that's what Avenged Sevenfold was on at the time. And a lot of my favorite bands was like, yes. cool experience i was gonna say like how like how come the austin the jamming didn't work out but i guess that if it had worked out right you might not have went 
and done that internship? At the time, like I never went to a single football game, which is crazy to most people because people are crazy about the Longhorns. I was pretty much just there to, you know, because I was good at school. I was a nerd. I was just there to do my work. Hmm. And I would uh, I would not a whole lot of big concerts come to Austin. And I never understood that until I started going to Austin to play. Huh, I thought uh, they had the Austin city limits and all that, everything. They have, like they have that. But outside, it was funny. That was always on spring break. And I was always going home during uh, those times. That's just traffic. You you don't want to be in that city when that stuff is going on. But just any of the bands that I wanted to see, they just never stopped in Austin. So I was always driving to Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. Um, and I made some of my best friends traveling and going to see my favorite bands. And I made friends. So that was my thing. I was like, I would either want to go home on the weekends or I'd be playing guitar or I would be traveling somewhere to go see some concert, mm. you know, with my friends. So I just, I had musician friends in Austin, but it was, it was like, there wasn't, there was music everywhere, but it wasn't the kind of music that I wanted to play. It was a bunch of like screamo, which I like that too, but it's not what I wanted to play in kind of country or, or bluegrass or, or stuff like that. Oh, okay. And plus at the time, I, I guess I was still, yeah, I didn't really go out and do much. I was kind of like a, a loner when I was there and I would just go out other places. But LA forced me to really, really get out of my shell fast. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm really thankful for that. Your major though was the radio and like TV. Was it like mass communications or was it like? Yeah, it was, it, it was in the communications department, but most people were, it was heavily um, film based. So oh, you could either, okay. it, like most of it had nothing to really do with like music. There was a music industry class in my, in my last semester out in LA. So that was awesome. And uh, my professor actually helped me get into NAM, which is where I met all of the musicians that I've played with since. And I networked the hell out of that. Oh, but, awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. So that was life changing. So that, that really is what changed everything. So I love films. I'm a big movie nerd and TV person too. So I, I'm like, what's the best thing that I can get into that's kind of artsy, like artsy, but you know, I don't have to put a whole lot of work into like, like <laughs> say, like say a science major or or something like that, you know? So <laughs> I did art, like radio, TV and film and, and it was fun because, you know, you could either go into like the, the study of just the history of stuff, or you could go into the the film production aspect. So I did a lot of stuff yeah. with that. So that was a lot of fun. I can I can totally relate to that because uh, the community college I went to, I got into that same like major. And uh, I think for the same reason, because I wasn't totally sure what I wanted to do, but like a counselor pushed me to that. And it I wanted to do, I think, like, you know, movie reviews and stuff. But it yeah. ended up leading. I got an internship at the radio station and then I've been in radio ever since then. But, awesome. Yeah. That's kind of what I was like, oh, if this doesn't work, maybe I can get into into radio or something. But it just uh, the music thing somehow worked. So, oh, yeah, you mentioned movies. What's the most recent movie you watched? Gosh, we just the last thing we saw in theaters was Megan. I'm a big horror horror movie fan. So we saw Megan. I think the last movie we actually watched because we've been doing a lot of documentaries and The Mandalorian and, oh, yeah. and all <laughs> was the Batman, the new Batman. But we were just uh, we were over at 
my singer Kirsten's house and we were talking about what movies you got to watch this movie and you got to watch this movie. Like, I really want to see the whale with Brendan Fraser. I love a big Brendan Fraser fan. So that's on my list. Uh, Knock at the cabin. I've been wanting to see that. Oh yeah. That's got Batista in it. I think. Yeah. I want to see that. Oh, I just watched the Elvis, Elvis movie on the plane. I get a lot of movies in on the flights. (laughs) (laughs) There's a, there's a whole list of stuff that we've been wanting to watch. Oh, nope. That was a trip. Jordan Peele. Yeah. That was a, that was a trip. That was a good one. Yeah. That wasn't what I was expecting. It was going to be. I just remember that opening scene with the monkey and stuff. The scene where he's like on the set of that show. Yeah. That I didn't know what to expect with that movie, but I was just tripped out the whole time. Like what is about to happen next? That was a really, that was a cool movie just because I, I want to watch it again too. Cause that was just a, just to retake it all in, because that was another one I watched on the on the plane. But that was a trip. <laughs> I love movies like that where it's just like, what in the wait? What is going? What did I just watch? So, what's your favorite scary movie then? One of my favorites is the the Cabin in the Woods. If you've ever seen that? Oh yeah, yeah. That's kind of scary, but more of like a more uh, humorous. But favorite like scary scary movie. I love all of the uh, the Nightmare on Elm Streets. Love those. Yeah, awesome. It's so hard to have like a a favorite one. The Insidious movies, I really enjoy those. Anything with James Wan that he does, uh, the director, I I don't think there's been something that he's done that I don't love. Yeah, he's even. I think he might have even moved. Like, did he do something with like Fast and the Furious now too? I think. He did. Yeah, he he branched out and and did that. I yeah. actually got to go. My friend Joel was the second unit director on The Conjuring, the second oh, wow. one. And so he knows how much I love the stuff. So he brought me on for the set, uh, onto the set when they were filming. Like if you've seen The Conjuring 2, it was like the big climax of the film where uh, Vera Farmiga is getting like sucked out the window. Like uh, Patrick Wilson is hanging out the window and all like it's the crazy thing where all the crosses are are turning upside down. I got to be there while they were filming that. Oh, and got in the house on the set and I was just like I got to sit in the room while the action was happening in the other room and James Wan was here like filming and I'm just like is this happening <laughs> like it was so so awesome so I, I got to meet Patrick Wilson while he was there and he's a big metalhead too like <laughs> so that, that was that was surreal that was so cool because that was like my music thing and my love for film like all coming together so that was that was really cool. Oh, yeah, that is badass. Yeah, that was amazing. And then getting to see the movie when it came out, like afterward, being like, oh, my God, I was I was in this whole house. Like, how amazing is that? So that was really awesome. I would love to do that again one day. Was that the one that were um, it was like in London or something? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. In the um, the nun. Was, yeah, that's right. It, it wasn't even supposed to be. Like that was added later on. It like he went. I think the movie was already kind of done, and he decided to go back and redo the nun parts and have that in there because the it wasn't going to be the nun thing. It was going to be this. The guy was there, the Valak, the monster. He was dressed in this huge, like this huge black like demon outfit, and it was going to be that. It was going to be this huge black demon kind of thing, huh. and they ended up changing that. 
So that was a trip. I saw, I got to see the original monster, but they, they changed it up last minute and then brought the nun in. Oh, neat. I've gone online and found where they, where they kind of have gone into a little bit of detail with that. But so the nun, I liked how they did the nun though. I've got another uh, question for you. Not, it's not movie related, but um, so like you'd mentioned your first album, uh, the harmonies for the haunted and you're putting it out on vinyl now, like a limited like release. Yeah. Uh, we did a picture disc. Um, was it a couple of years ago? We did a 250 run from Erica Records, and mm-hmm. they're what we love about them is they're local. It's a badass uh, woman run business, and they do when you go in their office, it's like they've done picture discs and splatter discs of every big band you can imagine. Like they have like almost a whole little wall of maiden picture discs. Oh, any- they did such a great job on that. And those sold out that I had been wanting to do this splatter disc for years now. But with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. I think they just said that basically they got so behind because of all of the supplies were backed up. Like they couldn't get the supplies and everybody's been ordering vinyl. So they weren't taking new orders. And um, finally, I got an email saying that they were taking new orders. So I was like, oh, my God, finally, like years Mm -hmm. later. Yeah, so we're doing a purple splatter vinyl for this one so we've done the picture disc we're gonna do splatter vinyl and hopefully once we get these songs done for apocrypha i really want to do another picture disc for this one awesome the picture disc i you know i had never really known much about vinyl before i i got into this but uh hearing it on vinyl is so it's it's different it's just really cool so it's just it's awesome you know you have the cds but People really go crazy over the vinyl. I was going to ask if you're a collector of vinyl or do you have a music collection? Uh, I have a, I only have a few things of vinyl. Patrick's a huge, he has a huge priest collection. He's got a pretty <laughs> crazy collection, but I'm just kind of starting mine up. I got a really cool uh, Nightmare Before Christmas vinyl um, for Christmas. And I have a couple of Avenged Sevenfold ones. I got a really cool... I think it was the Avenged self-titled, like a little LP. It's like really small from when I worked at Warner Brothers. My my supervisor was like, here, I know you love Avenged. Here, just take oh, this. Neat. That's so cool. So I only have a few, but, you know, when when uh, I get a bigger place where I have more room for more than just all my gear. <laughs> yeah, we'd like to. And I have like a huge DVD collection. I liked collecting DVDs and of all my favorite stuff. I'm old school to an extent, for sure. Yeah, like, like I, physical I, media. Yes, yeah. like I still like I still buy CDs of my favorite albums, and I just like it, even though you can't really play them anywhere anymore. <laughs> I like I just like having something tangible. Or I guess maybe because you're an artist, like maybe like, at least for me, I like having the artwork. Yes. In yeah. vinyl, you can get the full artwork, or there's there's foldouts and stuff. Yeah, we we made sure to have like a like a insert to have a full on like lyric sheet and everything. Yeah. That was my favorite thing about getting CDs back in the day. I remember when System of a Down did the Hypnotize and Mesmerize, and you could put the albums together, and just sitting down for the first time and hearing it, and just reading, you know, along with the lyrics and listening. And that was like, and I just loved the smell. <laughs> I love the smell of the CD. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm just like, this smells like, like brand new music. I don't know. So, <laughs> I love that. I love just, you know, if you love the music, just getting to read along with the lyrics and, yeah. but I've always 
because that's why I didn't want to do a I didn't want to do an instrumental album because that's just I always connected with lyrics and everything like that. Oh, awesome. What were you saying about the system of a down, like the mesmerized and hypnotized? Did they actually like uh, kind of combined? Because I forgot about that. I think they did. I think like if you got both of them, like I think they somehow like connected. I think. Yeah, because I kind of remember that. Like I didn't have them, but a buddy did. And they didn't they have like weird faces on the. Uh huh. Yeah. The and they covers? like combined. Yeah. So that was that was awesome to me how yeah. how they did that even stuff in the seventies, like I've went back and bought stuff on vinyl and like, I don't know if you like Alice Cooper, but oh, yeah, his old it. albums back in the day, they had like really weird perforated things you could tear out or you could fold different stuff. And I think schools out folded into like an actual desk. That's awesome. See, I love, I love all that kind of stuff. And that's what Patrick and I are always trying to think like, what can we do to make something, you know, really cool and, and stand out, especially with the vinyl, like he was wanting to do some kind of like, like almost like fake blood pack that you put the vinyl or something in. I don't know, <laughs> some crazy stuff. But see, that's, that's what was always so fun to me. Yeah. Or like, uh, when you would get the CD and put it in the computer, and then all the stuff would pop up like the the videos and all the extras that you could go like, I forget what that enhanced CD, I guess, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It was always a nice surprise. Like, well, Oh, look at what this has on there. Yeah. I remember that. I forgot about that, but I did have a few CDs back then, like what, man, almost 20 years ago where they did have the, uh, you could put it in and it had a music video or like behind the scenes yep. uh, stuff on the album. Exactly. Now it's just kind of like, all right, you know, you're, you just have your Spotify and, and yeah. everything else now. So it's kind of like, well, yeah, it's constantly, you're just oversaturated with so much music now. So it's, it's like a great thing that you can easily get yourself out there. But at the same time, it's like, man, you know, you're just surrounded by stuff constantly. Yeah. You got to keep up or whatever with all the trends. It would be hard to do that, I guess. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. Social media is a hard hard thing to keep up with you know yeah. with all the algorithms and everything it's it's definitely a challenge and constantly having to learn because it's constantly changing speaking about cool extras and stuff you guys even had like the coffin kits too for some of your albums with heaven below yes boy yeah that was that was something else because we kind of did the coffins ourselves you know we we did a lot of that ourselves like um you know, the coffins, they're they're pretty big. They're handmade and we stained them ourselves oh, and everything. Damn. They were very hand handmade. They were limited. We actually have a new run ready to go. There's just there's a couple of big boxes of just coffins, you know, in our studio that we're waiting to probably do something for the new album. Actually, Patrick already has he has an idea of what we're going to put on these. So we make them different each time and put different things in them. I think we did shirts, um, DVDs, and then a bunch of other little things in there last time. It's really cool. People people loved them. And they're just really cool to just sit up and, and just have in a memorabilia place. Yeah. It's pretty cool that you guys do that all yourself, too. Like you even said that you ship out merch. You know, I, I'm at the point where I can still do it, most of it myself. You know, I've had some friends help me pack stuff up, like when we do the first launch for the album. Like, it's a lot of work, but you know, I like being able to sit if somebody wants something signed or personalized. I can do that. 
You know, a lot of my friends do the print on demand and have their shirts and stuff done like that. But I like doing, I like doing it and us having control over everything because it's personalized and, you know, we can put stuff in there and like little extras. Like we always throw in extras. Like we always have like stickers or keychains or, or stuff like that. So right now I just love having total control over everything. Or even the extra too, like the guitar picks, like you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Cool designs. Yeah. If somebody asks for something in the comments, like, do you have a, a pick or do you have this? And if I have it, I'll happily, you know, throw it in or said personalized stuff or just, you know, do stuff like that for people. Cause I know if I ordered something from somebody and they did that for me, I'd be stoked. So, <laughs> yeah. And they're going to remember that too. I guess like, I don't want to keep it too long, but I got one other little uh, question too. So other than music and then movies that we talked about and you watch stuff on, uh, on the planes when you got a chance, what else do you do when you're on the road? Do you do a lot of like sightseeing if you got like downtime or what do you do in your downtime? I guess. Man, on the road, there's not much downtime. It's it's usually a bunch of hurry up and wait. So oh, I guess yeah. it depends on the situation because it's a lot of travel. In Europe, it was a totally different thing because we were on a tour bus. Usually here in the States, we fly somewhere and then we'll rent a van or whatever, mm. drive either city to city or just fly back home. In Europe, there were so many new places we went. We went to Paris uh, we went, well, we had been to Oslo before, but we didn't get to see anything. Um, there were just a lot of new places. We had been to Barcelona. And so we, when we finally kind of figured out our schedule, we'd kind of get in at 10 or 11. We would usually go on around seven. We'd load in around three. So we kind of knew that there was always a little window of time where we could go try to sightsee if we were close enough. Yeah. It was like a mile, mile and a half away. We'd get up and we'd walk. I would always try and look up where we'd be the next day. Are we close enough? Can we Uber? Can we take a taxi somewhere? So we would do that a lot on the road in Europe, just because I'm like, we cannot be in Paris and not see the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> you know, we can't go to Barcelona and not see this insane cathedral. So we did that a lot. But unfortunately, it's usually what we see is like the airport venue and then sleep it's usually, it's pretty draining. It's a, there's usually not a lot of rest. So we try and get as much rest as possible. You know, we're, we're going to Australia next week. Oh, so cool. I think a week, what is it? A week from today, we're going to be flying out to Australia. And so hopefully we'll get to see some stuff there. Like last time we went to the Sydney Opera House after our show. We're like, oh, we just, we're in Sydney. You know, we don't know if we're going to be back here. We'd love to see it. And we got, we pulled up and Literally, we're like getting out of the the van and then all the lights go off. And we're like, oh, man, they just shut everything down. We're uh, like, so it's a bunch of stuff like that where, you know, unfortunately, we don't get to see a lot unless it's a day off or we're in a in a tour bus, which is usually only in Europe. So we get to go a lot of places, but it's rare that we actually get to see do a lot of sightseeing unless there's just extra downtime, which is very rare. I guess, yeah, because you're only over there for like a limited window. So you got to pack in as many shows as you can. That's where sometimes we don't really have any days off. And sometimes the days off, it's literally you're just driving all day. Oh, man. And in Australia, it's flights in between every single show. So that morning you wake up and fly to the next city because it's such a large area to cover. 
I remember the only thing we got to see in Australia last time was the day we flew in. We flew in from New Zealand and we got to go to the Lone Pine Koala Sanctuary. And we didn't get to see really anything else besides mm. just what we tried to squeeze in after a show or before the show. But this time we have some days off. So I'm like hoping, I'm hoping we get to see some more stuff in Australia this time. But um, hopefully so it works out. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's great. But at the same time, it's like, it's, it's rough to actually get to see anything, but we try, we make the most of it. And it's, I'm so thankful that, you know, cause if I didn't get to tour with the maidens, I would never <laughs> probably would have never left the States, you know, yeah. I would have probably never left California who knows, or, hmm. you know, gone back to Texas or something. It's cool that it's all worked out for you. Super thankful, super thankful for it every, every minute. And now uh, I guess I'm going to go, I'm starting to play with a journey tribute called She Clips. I think our first show's August or I think it's August. So I'm learning a lot of journey songs right now. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I did see that and I meant to write it down, but are you a fan of journey or did that just come about from the Iron Maidens? Like, cause this is an offshoot. Yeah, I've, uh, Linda, our drummer, she just asked me if I'd be interested in playing in this Journey tribute. They're based in Vegas, that they needed a drummer and a guitar player, and we could just fill in when, you know, when we're off from the Maidens. So it's not taking anything away from the Maidens or anything. So we're just kind of filling in when we can with them. That's so cool. I was like, I love Linda. We have a lot of fun together. So it's like, I love Neil Sean's playing. He's an incredible guitar player, and I think it'll be a nice change. It's very incredibly different from Dave Murray's style yeah. of play. So I think it'll be a fun challenge. And honestly, I, I've always loved Journey, but some of the songs, it's an hour and a half set. And I've gone and I've listened to some of them and I'm like, I've never heard some of these songs. <laughs> so it'll be it's it'll be a nice change. It'll be a challenge. So I've just been in my free time just sitting down and working on these journey songs. Awesome. Well thank you for chatting with me and doing this because it's kind of cool to hear that background yeah. and I can kind of relate to that. So it's cool. Absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I this is kind of probably the first time that I've really got to talk about Apocrypha coming up because so much has happened in the past couple of months with us finishing up the album. So so thank you. Well you're welcome. Well thank you. Maybe we'll have to do like a follow up once it comes out too. Absolutely. So, yeah. Oh hell yeah. Absolutely. I'll be I'll be stoked for that. Lots more to talk, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I, I can't believe it's already May, almost May. Like this year's flying by. Yeah, it so. actually is. Like I've realized that I've actually been in this apartment now for like a month yeah. or something. And I'm already got to pay the next month rent. And I'm like, whoa, that flew by. Exactly. So. That's I can't believe it's already just this month. I I don't even know where it went. It's been gone in a flash. Yeah. I've been busy with this moving in here. So, well, good luck. I hope you uh you get everything moved in and situated because I'm I'm dreading the day that we that we got to get all this these guitars and everything off the wall. I'm not looking forward to that yeah. whatsoever. How big is the place you guys got there? Then is it like a couple rooms? Actually, like uh, we are in two separate places right now. We have we've been on the road so much we haven't got to move in together yet. Oh damn! Right now I'm just in a small. I live right by the beach, so rent is crazy. But I'm right by the beach and right by the airport, so I'm just in a small little apartment. But I have a backyard, and he's in a, a house with another musician, and he's got like a full on studio and all this stuff. So right now we're just trying to figure out. In between our schedules, when we can 
finally make this move happen. Oh, wow. It's crazy because out here it's so hard to to find, um, you know, because we want a little house with a garage for all our gear. That's the thing is finding Mm. exactly what we want, a little yard for for Rolo and, and everything. So we just bounce back and forth between each other's places all the time. <laughs> it's pretty mm-hmm. crazy. So that's a pain, but you know, and then just gear gets moved back and forth, back and <laughs> forth. It's like, wait, where's this guitar? Oh, wait. Oh, it's at your house. Oh my gosh. So really excited, but dreading the move. It doesn't sound fun. Cause this one, we went up three flights of stairs cause I'm on the third floor here. So it was like dragging everything up. So I can imagine carrying gear if you're on another my gosh see that's why we're trying to avoid like because yeah carrying like cabs and stuff upstairs after you're tired from gigs is just i had to do that at my last place and it was just i had the farthest parking space possible and it was oh no (laughs) like it was i just dreaded it so where we both live right now is really really nice because i can just drive straight up to my front door and drop everything off we've got really good situations where we're both at like people to help watch my animals and everything but yeah so we're just trying to wait and find the perfect like the perfect spot because i do not want to have to do the stairs again like I said, <laughs> that's brutal oh my gosh three i've never been on i've never been on the third floor before always the second can't even imagine that <laughs> moving up to the third floor yeah i was even doing something one load i was walking up to the th- like our door and then I turned a corner and I started going more because like I don't know like I spaced out and thought I had to go up another flight of stairs because I just walked up so many oh my gosh yeah that's brutal the grocery hope it all gets settled in soon for you well thank you yeah we're basically like 95 percent so I mean we're almost there well hell yeah that's awesome well have a good night Nikki and uh thank you all right you too all right have a good night well, thank you, Nikki. Have a good night, and I hope you have a good time in Australia, too, on your next tour. Thank you again to Nikki Stringfield for joining me for episode 120 of A-Sides. You can keep up with her band, The Iron Maidens, at theironmaidens.com. You can keep up with her with Heaven Below at their website, heavenbelow.com. And also, plenty of her merch is available at nikkistringfield.bigcartel.com. Thank you.